All right, let's do this. People of planet Earth, welcome to the Awoken Word podcast. This is your host, Anu Drastogi. Just a little bit of quick housekeeping today. I'm really thrilled and excited to say that we just crossed the one-year anniversary of the Awoken Word podcast. It has been an incredible first year. I want to thank everyone out there from all around the world who's tuned in and checked us out across all the different platforms. The feedback has been overwhelming. The comments, the DMs, all of the the encouragement and some of the criticism has all been very much appreciated. If you took out any time to say anything, whether it was a compliment or even just to rip into me, I really appreciate it. I know you got shit to do, so thank you. I also want to thank the team again at Ruckus Avenue Radio out of LA. Sammy, Raul, you and the entire team have been incredible and supportive. Really happy for everything that you've done and really appreciate this opportunity. So speaking of Ruckus Avenue Radio, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. My guest today is a young man who's a little younger than I actually thought he was when I started interviewing him. His name is Shantanu Pujari, and he is actually based in Mumbai, India. And this is a unique conversation on many fronts. I actually met Shantanu back in 2015, completely by chance, finding myself in the middle of a crazy rap cipher in Mumbai, where he was beatboxing. And we've stayed in touch ever since on and off. He is in Mumbai during this conversation, and through a series of technical fumbling and difficulties, I found myself on video chat with him having this conversation. So the audio quality from his end is not so great, and you'll definitely hear some of the delightful traffic sounds and ambient sounds of Mumbai in the background, along with some glitchiness. But it's all part of the charm of this conversation. Shantanu is a multifaceted young man. He is a competitive professional MMA fighter. He is a yoga instructor. He is an activist campaigning for all manner of causes. He teaches self-defense to women. He is now a hip-hop record label artist manager. He is a b-boy, a beatboxer. And I got to say that this conversation is a history lesson. First of all, it is a full-on smackdown on hip-hop history. And you're going to get that along with a rapid-fire, full-on schooling in Indian history and history of the Indian subcontinent. There's so many choice quotes and gems in this conversation. Uh, Some of my favorites are when Shantanu talks about some of the freedom fighters and historical figures in India as dope-ass MCs. And uh, that's a particularly fun part of the conversation. And uh, I have to let you know, if you were planning to listen to this with your kids, you have two options at this point. Either A, don't, or B, be prepared for them to say bullshit a lot because it comes up over and over in this conversation. But it's all in good spirit. Now, at the time of this recording, I wasn't aware that Shantanu already knew the founder of Ruckus Avenue Radio, Sammy Chand. Shoutouts to you, Sammy. Nor did I know at the time that Shantanu would soon actually have his own show on Ruckus Avenue Radio. So it was quite an interesting thing to find that out only a matter of weeks later. Quite hilarious, actually, considering how big the world is, just how small it can be sometime. You're going to hear a lot about Shantanu's own personal journey, 
his exposure and experience and love for hip-hop. You'll hear how he got into the ring as a professional competitive MMA fighter, how he survived and recovered from a debilitating leg injury early on in his career. And you're going to hear all kinds of interesting and hopeful thoughts on the future of the world, the future of youth, and the future of India. For many people, you may think that multiculturalism or pluralism or melting pots are a uniquely modern or Western concept. I have to say that India has been doing this very well for thousands of years already. And you're going to hear a little bit about that from Shantanu directly. So for all the folks listening out in India and the subcontinent as a whole, peace and love to all of you. Thank you for all the support. You should feel proud and hopeful and excited that young people like Shantanu are within your reach, changing things, making a difference, and making the world a better place for everyone. So without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Shantanu Pujari. This podcast is my humble attempt to bring a full grain of sand of goodness to the beach of human experience. Inspiring. This podcast is my love letter to all of you. The Awoken Word Podcast. I am joined here on the Awoken Word Podcast by Shantanu Pujari. So Shantanu... I I met you only once, and that was a pretty epic night for me four years ago, venturing out to Mud Island in, in Bombay. And I have to say, my love affair with Bombay, or Mumbai as it's now known, began in early childhood watching some old-school Hindi movies. But I think I fully fell in love with Mumbai when I met my wife and fell in love with her. And knowing that this is a place that's shaped her and she was the one that introduced the city to me and I got to know it through her and through her eyes, I I really have a special place for the city. Anyways, I just showed up at this bungalow that I guess a whole bunch of different crews were at. Uh, Cypher broke out and you were the designated beatboxer, I guess, that night. And you were beatboxing a good probably half an hour straight. And at mm-hmm. one point, I just, uh, I happened to have my camera with me because I was out there shooting a documentary and I managed to capture this cipher. And I had almost no exposure to hip hop in India up until that point. And I remember that night thinking, where has this been? So, um, <laughs> Shantanu, welcome. I- yeah, man, it's, it's super nice for you to have me on the show, man. It's a beautiful gesture. And... Yeah, man, I mean, when you met us, it was a very uh, critical stage or you could say the changing point of hip-hop in in Mumbai. You had uh, all these MCs who were just about to break out and get into like superstardom and everyone getting to meet hip-hop and all. Uh, I mean, getting to meet, uh, do different big Bollywood projects and everyone is super famous now, super like, you know, they're well-established and they will keep on going. And me, I've just been doing everything, man. I've been teaching yoga six years. I'm a mixed martial artist. I fight to hustle. I do like action direction in like Bollywood movies a little bit. I act here and there. Now I like I founded this crew called Swadeshi, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I kind of I I left the crew, but then I managed 
uh, more artists at this new record label called Most Wanted Records. We've got like more crews coming from different parts of India. Okay. And uh, basically, I studied as a break dancer way before everything. I'm I'm just telling you how I was in, influenced by hip hop and how I was there that day. You know, because I had nothing to do with it because I'm I'm, I'm not a professional beatboxer. Um, I just beatbox just for the fun of it, just because I love it. I started as a break dancer. I, I I thought it wasn't enough, and I wanted to do more. Like I looked up to people like Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. and I thought India needs one of those. It needs that sort of expression. Yes, we have hip hop people are writing about music right now, but then you need someone with a more um, something which is more serious in terms of expression. Right. And nothing gets more serious than. Two men locked in a cage, going at it, you know. So <laughs> that's where I, that's where I found uh, my calm. But always, I feel hip hop is a is the power that is going to change the globe. Just because of its access to knowledge, and you can listen to one track and get so uh, knowledgeable about everything which you will never get in like so many books. So that's why I stay around it all the time. But I fight, man. Normally, like I, I'm, I'm a fighter. I do yoga. I teach yoga. And that's how I make a living. Otherwise, with this hip hop, I'm just doing seva. <laughs> okay, so let, let's 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 stop there for a second. Well, yeah. first of all, I'm sorry we missed each other in in Mumbai. I was there for almost three weeks, but just then you had uh, left, I guess, to to go to Bangkok, um, yeah, exploring a, a new job opportunity, which sounds exciting. Yeah. Uh, so having followed you since that one night we met, and I don't know if you recall, but there was the cipher that broke out, which I, I filmed and edited and then and, and sent you guys, and that was definitely an epic night. I ended up which dropping, is reaching, yeah, which is reaching a million views anytime soon. That is just absolutely incredible, and it's it's amazing because growing up and living in the West, when I would talk to people here, once I got back from India in in 2015, when I talked to them about mm-hmm. hip hop in India. First of all, they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And then when I tried yeah. to explain the magic that I saw that night, it was yeah. almost uh, inconceivable for people. They just couldn't wrap their heads around it because they'd seen you know, a little bit of that pop, hip-hop, if you can call it, that kind of shows up in Bollywood every now and then. But they hadn't mm-hmm. seen real hip-hop, which is what happened that night. And it was, yeah. it was fascinating because... Like I've grown up with hip hop as a as a lover of the music. I've seen it since its early days. It was a big part of my life growing up here, particularly in a time in the West where there was a lot more racism, where people needed a, a way of finding a form of expression, and mm-hmm. uh, people who, at least of, of my skin color, you know, people who are uh, brown or South Asian or Desi, a lot of us kind of gravitated towards hip hop because there was something in that struggle of black people in North America that we identified with in some way. And mm-hmm. so I move from here, I travel across to India, and here I am that night beside you and or on camera seeing this play out. And I thought, this is actually real hip-hop. Every one yeah. of these guys have taken the essence of hip-hop and internalized it and made it their own story and are using it as a as a way to get that back out to the world. And it was such a beautiful thing that night. Like I, I was in such shock, honestly. I couldn't believe what I had just seen. And it's interesting that hip hop in particular has spread around the world the way that it has. Why do you think that it hits home with people that you've grown up with? Why did hip hop resonate with you? Uh, I mean, I think um, 
I think is the only genre that I could relate to because any other genre that I would listen to, leaving like Bollywood was fucked up since the start. Like Bollywood is never giving like no hopes because they all have like there are good musicians. There is Lata Mangeshkar, there is classic A R Rahman. You have like classical music, but then they are just removing like one movie a year, you know. Mm-hmm. And rest of the year, you have this bombardment of bullshit music, of <laughs> you know. I agree. Like all of this fucking disco, disco, whatever the fuck, like it doesn't resonate to what my my daily life is, you know. My what I am going through, what what I am seeing, it doesn't resonate to that. And then any other genre which I was seeing, everyone was trying to be, be that. they would try to uh, sound like red hot chili peppers you know mm-hmm. like they would do their songs like and mostly all artists in india they we lack that course of um, culture as a whole you know like e- even if the 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 artist is super this but you don't have a connection because you can never go see them live they always in a place where mm. but hip hop is such a hip hop is such a rooting genre where you get to see the person and relate to the person and whatever words that he's speaking about is exactly the pages coming out of your life because that person is represents the labor class you know the ma- the masses mm-hmm. that the 99% what i mean by that is he's definitely a person who never had money to buy a guitar who had never money to buy anything any of the instruments he had a pen and a paper and that's all he needed and he wrote all of these songs and all he had is all the stories that he could see around and he's put it on that pen and paper so it resonates to people when we heard like when i heard hip hop it resonated to me so much that it i got i connected to pak to as much as bhagat singh you know hmm. like i'm like oh my god like uh, in india we had all of these uh, revolutionary poets like we had ashfaqullah khan we had like ram prasad bismil uh, during the the suppression like pre 1947 Right. all of these revolutionaries i feel if we, if it was not the time of british they would be mcs if they were born in like you know in in america they would be like dope fucking gangster mcs that born, is born. such an epic thing to think about that they would be these og mcs fucking, like how you see like black people represent they would be like that you know like khalsa and proud <laughs> or ashokullah khan would be like i'm fucking muslim and proud you know but i'm indian you know yeah um, right i sit down and like read namaz so what like i'm still indian you know i love everything around about india and like tupac definitely is like bhagat singh if you think of it, he died early mm-hmm. bhagat singh died early in in a way tupac chose his death because he could have kept quiet isn't it he could have kept quiet not said the things that he wanted to like he had to say acted the way he wanted to act like he was super like bhagat singh mm-hmm. you know you're not allowed in a colonized uh, culture to speak back or uh, in a delusional culture to speak back but these artists chose to speak back like even if you see like this late great nippy hustle you know now from yeah. la he got shot the same thing he spoke about the things he is doing things for the community but he then speaks about this doctor doctor sabhi he where they you know they are talking about uh, women can cure all diseases just because of herbs and all of this or big pharmacies they don't want truth to come out and hip hop has always been the truth teller so i feel as humans we always inclined towards all these philosophical saints like you know maybe in 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 china it was confucius mm-hmm. or in india we have in india we have all of these saints like we have you know millions of saints we have like all the 10 gurus or we have like kabir or we have like 
you know in in turkey they have rumi so now we don't have all of these guys now we have naz and now we have like uh, kendrick lamar or now we have like absol or now we have like logic or loki and all of these mcs mm-hmm. is super krs krs one they are the 21st century thinkers and philosophers so that's how it like for me i got awoken like for me i was a young boy just in puberty and just you know thinking to do all things wrong but then comes hip hop where it's like a father figure where these older guys are coming from a more fucked up place like you know compton or something like that yeah or where you you know like where you have people where their mothers are taking drugs uh doing crack or you know all the atrocities that they got to face and here i am in bombay looking at the same thing i'm like okay they can rise up and they're telling me not to do this and they're so cool while doing it you know like you see all of them like the whole 90s clan you see wu-tang clan yeah or you see like uh, run dmc or ic um public Black enemy quest public enemy krs1 uh, big daddy kane nas all of these guys they're still going you know they're still there grandmaster kaz they're still there the mission the mission so it just shows them how they can be as a personality and and yeah man i feel that's why in india also super famous because everyone is waiting for this direction that they need for a generation and and of course going to come from uh, the ghetto you know and the ghetto doesn't have money for guitar <laughs> you just... uh wow you said a lot there and you've said i think you've said some things in ways that i've never heard anyone put quite that way which is really interesting the fact yeah, that yeah. hip hop is accessible just because all you need is a, a pen and paper or a phone or just some way to get an idea down that's that's really it It's interesting because if you look at the history of hip hop, I mean it didn't just start in the 70s and 80s. It's got, you know, whole history of African, particularly African music forms and rhythmic forms before that. But by the time it comes into its incarnation as we know hip hop today, at that same time in in schools in in Brooklyn, the Bronx and in, in New York, throughout much of the US, schools are getting defunded so there's less access to music instruments. and people are living in small spaces so now kids don't have access to music instruments they don't have a lot of space but what they have is their voice a pen a paper maybe just enough room for a turntable and so that expression that was getting squashed in musical forms all of a sudden it's almost like it reincarnates itself through hip hop just through the voice and through the yes. turntables and what you're talking about with people in the ghetto can't afford guitars it's essentially the same thing right some way that expression has to come out of you in this case hip hop becomes the vehicle because there wasn't many other alternatives for some people and it's just it's so interesting that you're coming at it from a different angle but saying essentially the same thing yeah definitely man and that's how i noticed like if you see different mcs they have the different feel and you could see that they are fulfilling that the need that they have like if you see nas music it's like his father is very blues like sometimes if you see like blues or jazz oriented yeah. or if you see like talib kwali or uh, mm-hmm. mosdef's music is super folk you know so you know that this guy wants to make folk music but he's using hip hop to reinvent folk music and so what if you can't play one instrument he's using all the instruments in one track right i have to ask you though so so far my exposure to to hip hop in india has been it feels like a period in time in in america that was perhaps early mid 90s that was a lot yeah. more you know woke if you can say before yeah. the music industry co-opted it and it became a lot of mainstream nonsense right like what's in the top 40 charts today 
isn't what you would have found in hip hop for the most part before. Now it's all about cash, or a lot of it's cash, money, women, materialism. It's nonsense. And I'm not faulting a lot of the artists who are doing it because they may have been doing important music with something to say, but the system doesn't want to have that class of person. And whether that's frustrated black and brown people in North America or people with a conscious message against the 1% or people trying to make a revolutionary change, they don't want those messages broadcast to too many ears because that will force you know a revolution, however small. And so they'll only give airtime to the people that perpetuate the same stereotypes, whether it's uh, violence and misogyny or negativity, because that's easy to sell. So in your opinion in India, at least from what I've seen, most of the hip hop is still substance. Like they're still saying something. Do you see a time coming or has it already come where you're seeing hip hop artists and rappers break out and talk about nonsensical materialism and, and money and, and women in, in the derogatory ways that is in a lot of hip hop, unfortunately, today. Do you see that coming in India? I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm definitely seeing both of these sides coming. Like I can see, um, I think we are on a stage where it is like early 90s. The, the thing about United States was, I guess, when even when they had music in the 1990s and they were releasing music, they were still making money out of it. So you had like people removing like uh, all, all the old school artists in 1990s and 2000. At least they were selling records and they were making money out, out mm-hmm. of it. But the artists in India are still like leaving like few artists. Maybe we just have two record labels right now in India. Two like independent hip hop record deals uh, labels. Leaving those two labels, any other artist is not making money from selling his records. We don't have that infrastructure where you know where you sell your records and then you make money out of it. Mm-hmm. Like how, and you could see the success of the album and how many people have bought your CDs or bought your records, you know? So what I say is this, that the, then the songs, I mean the bullshit comes, but there's still a lot of suppressed voices. There's still a lot of suppressed stories. India is still a huge country with a lot of stories, with a lot of languages with a lot of uh, things to come out and it's going to be a balance where you know these Bollywood guys they would want like bullshit of course bullshit rappers to say bullshit shit and whatever to sell this stuff but then on a parallel universe you're going to have these hungry fucks coming out of small towns coming out of where they are where they got hip-hop and they just because the country is so huge and you know it's going to take time to go to every place like as of now I'm seeing hip-hop MCs coming from small towns so now when they come they are like more hungrier than the main Mumbai like like hip hop MCs from Mumbai. So I feel it's going to happen, but it's still going to take a lot of time. Like I, I predict another, maybe another 20 years. But for another 20 years, I know there is, there's going to be rich hip hop music coming out of this country. Mm-hmm. All alongside garbage music, you know, alongside bullshit music, alongside all the shitty music, along complimenting Bollywood. But there's going to be a serious competition to Bollywood because of the use of internet. Internet has been a game changer in India. Since like we've got like the Ambani sponsoring everyone, uh, like, like cheap internet. Oh yeah. So what happens is, you know, like as it is, I needed only five rupees of pen and paper to make a hip hop track and few like free apps to like download like music and edit it and put it online. But I can still have access to so many people online, you know, right. free without and have this fan base. So it gives a serious threat to like major companies and like people putting in money for bullshit 
like big producers putting in music for bullshit artists you right. know because independent music uh, independent musicians also are doing it things on the at the end the music speaks it's like j cole in america you know mm-hmm. i don't think he's signed to a label and he doesn't do like he doesn't re- uh, release his records on a major label or something but he still does good and his music is out there everyone knows about him i think that there is there's bullshit music and there's good music and those are very subjective terms what one person finds bullshit someone else will find good and vice versa yeah, yeah but feed off each other because if everyone was saying the exact same thing or had priority on the exact same things and maybe this world wouldn't be as interesting as it is i'm personally not a huge fan of a lot of recent hip hop in you know the mumble rap the whole phase of that there's just a lot of nonsense out there but there's a lot of really good stuff too I think you have mm. to really work a little bit harder to find it now though you can't rely necessarily on top 40 radio or the MTVs and whatnot to to get you there like I came across all your old school rappers you know just through hearing about it from friends and then I felt like there was a wave of ignorance and like where did all that music go but people were still making that music you just had to look for it um you mentioned yeah. Loki who I love I think one of my favorite rappers probably of all time is Akala and I think you met him Yeah. Uh, uh, and he I I think he's a good example of somebody who uh when I first saw his first fire in the booth and I remember introducing it to some of the guys that I met when I was down down there in Mumbai in 2015. You know, an 8-minute freestyle from him 400 years of history into it and I found that yeah. I learned so much from hearing that that I'll go and research and read about specific either moments in history or people or situations that he's actually mentioned in his music so as a gateway to being more enlightened and educated and informed about stuff I think his music is a great example and there's a lot of other MCs doing all sorts of things in that domain and that's that's fascinating mm-hmm. I think that at the same time The music industry has changed so much for everybody. It's not just for independent hip hop artists in India. Like even the biggest names on the planet, most of the money that they're making is from touring or other deals. Like yeah. the the record label system has screwed the artist so badly for so long that they've been making all the profits. The artists have walked away with almost nothing even in the best of situations and they're making money on on tour so it's almost like you have to give away the album just to be able to get enough people out to your tour. And so I think that that's a, a force partly because of the way the re- record labels work and partly because as a generation we've come to expect music and anything digital for free. Like you go on yeah. YouTube, you find the song, you listen to it for free. You go on Spotify, you pay almost you know next to nothing for that thing. And then the artist who spent 15 years working on their craft and spending money to get studio time and all this stuff you know they're basically giving away the thing so if they are not touring they're not making any money and i think that's true regardless of where we are in the world today so perhaps i think something needs to change in our perspective and expecting things for free from artists or just yeah. content in general yeah definitely man then we can definitely stop, stop this uh, like big because if we expect music for free then you're going to get shit yeah like we've been getting years free music here shit because real musicians have things to do you know that's why what happens is like back in the day all of them were like real musicians they did music they still they could and then after that they started doing jobs because they had to take care of their families and no more they could like continue with that you know like like uh, M- like mc hammer going broke and you know mm-hmm. they just have to do carry on with regular jobs 
like they're working in McDonald's or whatever it takes to feed their families, you know, because at the end you want to feed your family. Right. You know, you can't keep going on with what you're... Entrepreneurship, it's just... That is hip-hop, you know, just con- like, I think that's real hip-hop. When you... Um, you can use the knowledge, the most powerful element and use like it for your side and how not to get... That's hip-hop, man. Now to get mm. fucking hustle. You know what, like exactly what Nipsey was doing, you know, he had his own marathon company yeah. and like you do things like that and you give it back to the people and you do want like don't uh, blow away money when you get money, when you get all of this money because it's not like record labels don't give you money, they give you fuck lots of money, you know, but it's what you do with yeah. your money. If you If you are a boy who's like going out and drinking Hennessy and doing this and that, you don't need that money. Like, uh, sorry, you don't, you can use that money for a better purpose. Yeah. Or like, even Akala, you know, when Akala told me a very interesting thing that once you're a writer, you're a writer. It's not like you're an MC. Like, on his daytime, he teaches children, like Shakespeare, you know, he, he teaches, he's a playwright, he's a play director and a teacher. That's what he does on a daily basis, you know. Or, uh, I don't know, even the biggest fighters, man, like the Diaz brothers, like, you know, they give classes every day. Yeah. yeah, they have one glory moment when they go out and fight and they show who they are. Yes, Akala has that one part, like uh, moment when he's going in the he's going in and giving a speech about getting a double doctorate uh, on Black history, or he's going out and he's doing a show. He has his glory moments, but when all that illusion is done, he's coming back and he's doing what he's supposed to do for his bread and butter, because he doesn't want to be dependent on the devil. You know, he doesn't want to. Mm. He wants to be on his own will. It's not like this record label is like, it's keep pushing you, keep grinding you, or do this for me, do that for me, because I've invested this amount of money, those fancy cars and those bitches in your videos, you know, they cost me money, so now you have to work for me and sluggish, you know? Yeah. So Akala doesn't want that. He's like, I'd rather go, I use my brains, get more credentials, teach, like, people, you know? And so hip-hop is much more about that, I feel, and smart ones do it, like, you know, the first billionaire, Mr. Dr. Bay, mm-hmm. I learned a lot from him. He's such a simple man. He's the first billionaire, but he keeps it so cool. You know, he's produced some of the greatest hits to people, like everyone's first album, you know. Uh, 50 Cent's first album, like he did albums with Kendrick Lamar, or like Exhibit's first album, Snoop Dogg's album, Tupac's, like, music. But he's so simple, like when you look at him, you don't know that he's a first billionaire, but he's keeping, like, he's kept it cool since NWA's time, you know. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, too, I think, what I noticed... Uh, in 2015 when I met you and a lot of these other guys, I've seen attempts at hip-hop from Bollywood at least and, you know, maybe Mm. some pop music over the last probably 15, 20 years in India. And I think all of them fell flat, honestly, because they felt it felt like someone from India trying to do their thing in a way that looked Western. You know, like some guy will just, he'll shave his head, it's as if you watch a little bit of MTV, he shaved his head, threw on like a tank top and just started acting like he lived somewhere in South Central LA, as opposed to actually yeah. just being himself and telling his story. And yeah. what I think hits home now about hip hop in India is that it is the real story in the language, in the slang. And you know, for, yeah. for folks who aren't familiar with Indian languages and culture, a lot of Indian languages are already very rhythmic. Like I don't understand a word of Tamil, but it is such a rhythmic language already. Like just hearing, you know, some auntie speaking it, it may as well sound like rap. So the language is already so conducive to flow, to beat structures. And the content, I think, and the way that you say things in in certain languages 
it's a lot more poetic in a lot of ways. And then you mix in the slang. It's almost as if all these different Indian languages really, they're like made for expressing themselves through hip hop. And I think when you actually take the essence of hip hop and then you apply it in your own context to your own story and you're just you, you're just genuine, you're just being yourself, not trying to be anybody else, that's where it actually works. It's when we uh, start flexing and pretending that we're somebody else or from somewhere else that it just falls flat. Yeah, man. Definitely that's the power of hip-hop and that's the power of power of Indian hip-hop is going to be our different languages. That's like a, a very big uniting for India as well. Like that night when you were there, there were different rappers. There were people rapping in Punjabi, Tamil, Malayalam. Yep. And we had a big role to play in it, you know, like the Swadeshi or like true Swadeshi or Dopadelics or like, you know, Akhlan in Bombay. We changed the game from English to Hindi and other vernacular language, like our local languages. And with that changes a lot of reach, mm-hmm. you know, the people, because a lot of people don't understand English. And then I think that's what boosted up the scene in hip hop because everyone started rapping in their own local languages. And that's how anywhere it becomes big. That's how like you have French rappers in France yep. rapping in French or German or Russia or um, London in their own language. So India just had to, we were just waiting for that moment and it just happened. So I, I just think it's, it's going to be the most powerful force to reckon with because India, we've been suppressing a lot, man. Like in terms of musically, imagine if anyone had to do anything with music, we had to go to the movies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So they have a songwriter, they have a composer, they have a lyricist. Sorry, that's song, songwriter as well. They have a vocalist, that's mm-hmm. what the MC was. And here... Uh, the MCs are doing everything. They're writing their own song and giving vocals to it and composing it. Yeah. So the Bollywood guys would exploit and I mean, no singer, we don't have an independent music scene. We don't have a Billy Ray for country music or we don't have a like uh, Iron Maiden for rock or we don't, you know, these beautiful genres that I see in Europe and US. We don't have that. We just have Bollywood, which sucks. Well, it's, I think it's just... In India, there's been times where that could have happened like there was a good pop music scene it seems for some time like maybe late 90s early 2000s and stuff there's amazing rock bands out of india that uh you know Mm. some of which i think i'd seen zero uh out of mumbai but i'd seen them play in delhi years ago and they were phenomenal so the the musicianship the artistry in india is absolutely incredible because there's such a rich tradition of it and i think the musicians and artists exist but every time a scene rises up somehow Bollywood gets its hands on it and it co-ops it and then it it sort of for the most part I think it waters it down and then that scene just kind of dies off so I like I'm curious from your perspective like now that uh Gully Boy's out and now that you know the the sort of street hip-hop has kind of been front and center in through the lens of Bollywood like do you think that changes anything for for artists for hip-hop in general uh, I mean, it does change because now everyone does know like what hip hop is in terms of like family members and common people. They know what 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 it is, and so it's a nice thing. But it's just it's also like a wake up call for all the artists to put on uh, good music and to show people what real hip hop is, and not what just what they showed in Gully Boy. You know, because Gully Boy is the icing part of it, not the whole like hip hop hip hop. So. Thank you for do, making everyone like showing everyone what Gully like hip hop is. But now let the hip hop heads, the guys who were present at that day, who the movie was based upon, you know Tony and all of those guys yeah. like, who you shot. Let them tell the story because they are the ones living inside that slum that you are showing in the movie. You know you are showing the movie, 
but that guy has a fucking 5 crore flag in you know i mean he's acting but then i don't know like i don't know i don't think it's first of all i don't think it's fair because eminem did his whole own own video you know i mean he did his own like 8 mile yeah and all of his the artists that were present there were real life artists like they were really associated like like obi trice and all of these guys were in the movie and mm-hmm. they were like you know they they played roles and so i feel every i i feel hip hop the the pioneers in hip hop deserve that role if they wanted to be there because they are the ones fucking doing it on ground zero every day pushing it you know and there there are people just come with a huge amount of money and invest in the scene which is already created and then take everything and run away but mm-hmm. it's okay i mean i have nothing but love but i'm just letting people know what the truth is because the real heroes are the boys living in dharavi you know uh, going through that shit fucking for a decade now Mm-hmm. You know, they are the ones who are in all of this darkness but still keeping the light of hip hop within all of the drugs within all of the violence within all of the they've deprived of social like everything man they can't they don't have a place to go to the loo or like just basic stuff that you know that mm-hmm. everyone gets in the world they don't have that they don't have that life they have to struggle for everything yet they keep the light of hip hop running and they've created this scene where like they've influenced the whole area which is the largest slum in asia Mm-hmm. it's a huge deal man for the boys and i always big up them and all the massive in mumbai because they they are really like 90s hip hop you know like everyone can be everyone gets killed here like you know people die in mumbai like for stupid shit you know falling off the train dead on the street and fucking like on the on on the bike or something like that just stupid stuff mm-hmm. so they survive all of this and yet they they come out of it it's amazing so I mean it's nice Gullibar did a nice job but it's just they should like big up the real guys more and they should write about them more and the world should know about like them more you know I I couldn't agree with you more man I think you're right there Wow you you're you're packing a lot in I want to I want to sort of uh, I want to pivot a little bit here because No problem. I want to look so uh, Shantanu how old are you I am 23 bro You're only 23 Yeah. Holy shit. I don't know why I thought you were like 26, 27 somewhere like that, but okay. So, first of all, you're way too damn wise for your age. That's <laughs> Yeah, man. I look at you and I look at the youth of India. And you as a man have embraced the ancient and the new if we look at yoga and spirituality and then hip hop and then you're doing action direction for films acting i believe you had started i don't know if you still are teaching self defense classes to women yes i am you're yes. traveling to and from thailand teaching yoga i've seen you campaigning to protect the forest outside of mumbai in in the green zone you do a lot of things and you seem to do a lot of things very very well with a lot of passion what what is it about you uniquely that you think makes you able to do so many things. You know, a lot of people will go really deep in one in one direction. Why have you spread yourself across all of these different fields and how do they relate to each other in your mind? That's a beautiful question, man. <laughs> Why do I do all sorts of things because I feel like in a very in a, in a very early age I realized that especially in this country that you can if you want to if you want to do something out of your passion you have to do many things. and not just one thing because that one thing won't be able to feed you on a monthly basis 
you know like I, that was like my uh, reptilian or the hustler's brain i always knew that i need to form like different means of getting revenue to make money mm-hmm. but and i was always in this pressure like i mean since i have a single mother and my sister like you know i'm, I'm home trying to make things so i've got this pressure at this age and i always try to be smart i see opportunities all around and i believe in god you know i believe like there's an almighty out there he's giving me all of this power and it's just one life to live i've seen like death and i understand death is is a beautiful thing and it all only shows you the less time we have so if you want to do anything and anything you shouldn't fear you know like fear is the biggest like you like like doctor I, i like this thing about uh, quote about dr abdul kalam you know he says that fear lot of the people use fear f e a r forget everything and run mm. so no, lot of lot of like you know like how you doing this interview you always wanted to do this you know but before this you all like you tried different things in your life so at my stage also at a very early stage i tried these things but whenever i wanted to do stuff like hip hop or things like something to do with acting or everything this fear forget everything and run never let me do and never let humanity do but he also said that you could take this far and make it face everything and rise mm is the same fear but you're facing everything and rising above it so yes right. if i want to see the change and i was always like this uh, angry guy uh, angry again against the world and why this world is this is wrong that is wrong and i looked at people and the people didn't really do anything so i'm like oh if i wanted to do something i'll do it myself if i want to see a change through hip hop okay i'm going to get step into this shit and try to handle it myself if i want to see the first bruce lee and like uh, mohammed ali and someone i'm going to step in myself and practice and do things you know if i want to see if i want to save the forest which is right next door no one is fighting for it i am going to go in and involve everyone go on the road because i feel life is all about like making a difference you know otherwise we're just insects you know that's the that's the beauty of being human because you can make a difference on the planet <laughs> mm. lot of us don't understand how powerful we are but we are super powerful that's what i learned in my time in yoga you know they were talking about such at that time i thought supernatural like when you see holy saints when you see saints and when you see all of these mystics like you know they are like 70 years old but they walk in the himalayas with nothing they don't they don't wear shoes they don't wear anything yet they say in subterranean temperatures and minus temperatures and climates and yet what are they searching for what how can they do that you know how can they do all of these extreme things i don't know man i was just observant about all of these things and these things let me realize like you know like even when you say in india i see the, the mothers you know like indian mothers like you know most of them like they're like celibate moms they're like kung fu masters you know 20 25 years they married <laughs> off they just working every day every every morning every evening doing the same thing 25 years so it makes me wonder like you know i can do so many things but i just have to take the first step and go ahead and do it you know without that fear you know like facing everything about that fear so how and did you how long have you been practicing yoga and how did you get introduced to yoga i uh, my mother was always practicing to yoga and i always knew like in india is 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 a little bit common like we have yoga in school and everything but deeply i i, I was searching for it after i had an accident in uh, 2013 where i broke my leg it was just like 6 days after i became the national thai boxing champion wow. and uh, yeah man like after 6 days my friend was drunk he dropped the bike and there was a, like a truck carrying huge amount of sand 
they ran over my leg and like they ran over my leg and the bike so it destroyed my ankle completely there was no ankle so there was this time where i just became the national champion the best in india this and suddenly everything like the doctor told me you can't walk again like properly you will be able to do like um, office job and stuff like that so i had to really go deep down inside and see if i everything that i have inside of me and before that i was never spiritual so that was like my changing then i went to yoga and they really changed my whole perspective on what life is because a lot of things intuitively i knew what was right when i went there those like um, books made tell me like they told me the truth yes your thinking is true yes there is life after that yes there is this thing called chi prana where this is much more uh, powerful than what we see like you know like muscles or uh, right. like whatever you know like there's much more to what with what meets the eye so when when i seen all of that it gave me confidence and that's why i left alcohol i left like eating uh, meat i left uh, like you know it's been five five and a half years that i'm alcohol free i'm meat free i left all of that i used to drink and eat a lot before so i mean that's how yoga has got control in me so you're actually now a competitive MMA fighter and i've seen i think a couple of the matches that you've posted online how yeah. long have you been practicing that and how did that come into your life the thai boxing yeah thai boxing okay so like when i was break dancing you know you have these b-boy battles yeah so like i used to battle before i've battled like a lot of like well known b-boys and i was in like our crew was one of the best crew in bombay you know like it had b boys like flying machine who was the four time oh wow yeah BC. yeah flying machine so he was a part of my crew he's come and he's danced for my like school festival and all like he's my boy you know like we grew up together and all but that's what i'm saying i never found i i read like when i discovered tupac and when i discovered like black uh, music i can say yeah when i came to know what they went through and this i'm like oh shit this is so similar to whatever we went through like oh we had the genocide oh we had this the same thing you know our culture was taken away i am given english you know like africans are supposed to speak in their own language but they over there speaking y'all you mm-hmm. know like in us american english but it's same thing for me as an indian you know my language was taken they tried to take my language but still yet we preserved it so i mean all of these things really like bothered me man because it was a very un- unfair society and you know all types of shit was going down in india you know it's still going down you have politics like you have the election coming up and at that time there was like there's a terrorist attack that happened in bombay and like there there's this dudes who walked up with ak47s and bombs and shit and although i knew it was an inside job but i was so pissed at the government because in 70 years so it's a lot of political motivation you're talking about 2611 right in 2008 2611 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 because i was there and my friend got shot you know he was he was shot dead and so where where was like, this uh in churchgate in churchgate yeah he was a chef at taj and i was there present so like for me just to have all of these things inside to, to live in a society where people can walk into you and like carry a ak47 or this whatever and then to live in a society like bombay where you know all my friends like it was super violent everyone was murdering everyone like you know it was a violent place to live in because there's no all hell went loose you know like from 1990s to 2008 2009 we had these bomb blasts and whatever so i knew i had to battle more and make my voice 
raise like raise my voice just like how Muhammad Ali did because I'm super inspired by Muhammad Ali and super inspired by Bruce Lee and that's what believe it or not that's what motivated me to do like Thai boxing you know I'm like this is a full contact sport this is what I would need if I want to do mixed martial arts where mixed martial arts is a place where it fulfills my soul because mm-hmm. uh, why I would say mixed martial arts fulfills my soul because it gives me a sense of unity of the world like how how I would love to see the world come up come together like India can say France oh we love you cheese and then again mixed martial arts is like oh we love your kung fu or Brazilian Jiu Jitsu we love like Taekwondo which is South Korean we love Thai boxing which is Muay Thai we love Kalir Kalari so martial arts is everyone has this one martial arts which we all can thank for and you know we can unite as mixed mm. martial arts that's in my head I'm like this is the perfect place if I wanted to spread my message the message that I am speaking to you right now but on a grander scale scale believing people believing into my faith when they see me fight inside they will see my faith on what I why I believe in Guru Nanak ji and why I believe in the Sikh tradition and why I believe in fighting for what I think is right literally fighting for it you know right that's where I feel the message can be heard and that's why I I left break dancing in 2012 I started Thai boxing I became the national champion in 2013 after the accident I was scared to continue Thai boxing so for for 2 years one year rehabilitation i started doing mixed martial arts i fought i fought 16 like uh, national to- like matches all around india 16 mmm matches after rehabilitating my left leg wow then um, i won like bronze medal in the national in mixed martial arts last year jiu jitsu bronze again last year and now i found a job in thai boxing so i will start continuing my professional and professional mixed martial arts and thai boxing life in bangkok i have to ask you for a lot of people they'll look at you and they'll think how can you be at the same time uh immersed in yoga and in you know an ultra violent competitive MMA at the same time like aren't those two opposites i mean i know a lot of MMA fighters in the west have taken up yoga mm. as part of their overall regimen from a both the spiritual and physical perspective because for flexibility for breath control mindfulness is really helpful but they're not necessarily coming mm. at it uh, originally from the spiritual tradition whereas for yeah. you it sounds like both you know thai boxing and uh, yoga kind of coexist at the same time but they're not in conflict how is that I think I would like to you know, go back to when we were saying that you know there are evil people in this industry and then there are good people like I think the concept basically explained like in the in in the holy books or in the vedas or is that the world is is made up of two energies one is plus and one is minus one is yin and one is yang mm-hmm. one is black one is white and the balance of these two energies is what like makes the world the world if everything is like you know like just because of the evil you know like just because of the night you know how the day looks like we cannot have right. a we cannot have a life we cannot have a life as like sunset beautiful that beautiful sunset 24 hours you need that super dark night to to appreciate that morning sunrise to appreciate that um, the sunset in a similar way when in terms of energy india and the east i would say india because india is the birthplace of martial arts india is the birthplace of yoga mm-hmm. that the the concept of the concept of having shiva shakti or the concept of having plus and minus or in the the eastern like the chinese or the japanese i would say yin and yang always existed in this culture you see you would see like like you will see lord shiva always pointing up and pointing down 
signifying the there is plus and there is minus mm-hmm. you will have these two characters until life is but you have to choose where you have to be and you have to balance both these energies inside your body so it was until it was only when i did this course when i went to the yoga institute i understood that even the founder of that institute was a wrestler wow you know he was a wrestler who then met a yogi and then like he understood the way of life and then he balanced it out so even like if if i look at the greatest uh, like like lord shiva or like uh, all the 10 gurus like mm-hmm. guru nanak ji guru tej bahadur all of them are peaceful monks they are the most silent people the people that we can ever imagine yet they are warriors yes they are khalsa warriors or um, uh, i would like all uh, the kung fu monks which come from this saint called bodhi dharma who was from india who was a peaceful he was the first zen master mm-hmm. the, the chinese call him the first zen master but if you if you fuck with him he fuck you up so <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, you know? up that's the thing like there needs to be balance in this world you know like you can't just be you can't just be all yin you can't be all yang it has to be a yin and yang and essentially that's my message to the world as well you know like you need to balance both these energies you can't be focusing on one side yet otherwise you'll have the problems in the other side if you're too peaceful like if you if you people believe that oh if you're too gandhi you won't get independent india never got independence because of gandhi india got independence because of bose by his mm-hmm. military methods agree you know it wasn't the nine non violent thing you know like sikhism is a non violent religion buddhism is a non violent religion and you yet you still have the khalsa and the kung fu monks practicing mm-hmm. shaolin to the highest disciplines why when you practice that you balance that yin in you and then you don't have to go taking with your point 5 shooting people with your mad like like mad crazy yeah. you know like you don't have to go shoot and kill innocent people why because you utilizing all that energy and fighting inside the ring Yeah. and leaving everything inside the ring you know or leaving yeah, everything even in the civil the rights movement in america a lot of people today will look back and look at martin luther king junior as the architect of the civil rights movement and the driver of all the progress that black americans had made at that time and he definitely has had an incredible hand in all of that he's i think one definitely. of history's great men but had it not also been for malcolm x at the same time and Black all of Panther, his efforts man. and his efforts for sure. more uh, um you know nation of islam militant definitely not necessarily non-violent america looked yes, at definitely. yeah america looked at both malcolm x and martin luther king at the same time and was basically forced into which of these two options do we pick because it looks like the civil rights movement is going ahead anyways these people are going to win their freedom which one of these narratives do they want but had it only been martin luther king junior and no malcolm x or no counter narrative to it we might not have gotten to the place that we got to at that point in time who knows how history would have played out but i think this idea of a yin and yang or a plus and minus is a very eastern concept i mean even the the trimurti within Vedic and Hindu culture where you have Shiva as the destroyer and you have Vishnu as the preserver and you have Brahma as the creator and understanding that there is a cycle and they're in constant flux these ideas are new in concept i think in the west they're maybe decades old versus being centuries or thousands of years old in the east and it's interesting that you've managed to find a way to embody both of those at the same time because i can see a lot of people thinking wow like how is he really a a yogi if he's also fighting and teaching people how to fight when those two aren't actually opposites and they can coexist in in one person for for good reason i mean in sanskrit the the little meaning of yog means union 
you know mm-hmm. so like a lot of people don't understand this concept i mean even i couldn't understand this concept that when they say is yoga people normally relate yoga to like when you see like hot yoga or bikram yoga or instagram yoga yeah. where you see like super hot, like you know super fit girls like posing like gymnastic and when you think that oh that is yoga. but yoga means union so if a farmer is just being a nice man all his life is not doing one pose of course you have to do like a little bit stretching so that your body functions better and gets oxygen right. that's the goal that so that you can meditate better but the primary goal is not that you know like of yoga and if if you can be like a nice man and you can do like welfare for the society like nikola tesla like you know like people like them like they are like karma yogis you know like they do good for the society with unconditional love you know they don't mm. want anything back or uh, there's bhakti yogi where you know where like like meera you know for krishna yeah. she was so like or, or or you could see the protesting christians yeah that's a bhakti movement bhakti movement right there where you're going and thinking lord is the almighty and he's 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 everything and i don't want logic i don't need anything i find um like hope in this and that's all so there are different types of these methods then there's ashtang there's hat and you know but all these different methods lead to the same thing which is union you know so if i'm a unified person it doesn't mean that what, what does it mean that i go on and i wear my yoga pants and keep roaming in my yoga pants <laughs> you know but it's it is that i be a good husband i be a good brother i be a good citizen of wherever i am i be a good human being i be a good like cleaner i be like smiling to everyone making a difference in other person's life that is the true union you know right i be a great fighter but yet not promote fighting like if you see like in the united states when you see like people going and swearing each other's religion each other's caste each other's race you know you mm-hmm. can still fight but for the right reasons and give respect and you know like do your duty but yet respect and i don't know like it's interesting because my my wife she's also a yoga instructor and she's been practicing mm-hmm. for quite a while and she's just such a balanced individual in terms of all of the different things that she's able to do. More recently she's been teaching yoga to children to you know kids somewhere between 4 to 7 8 years old and wow. just introducing this idea of mindfulness to children and getting them to kind of focus and calm down because especially like as kids you're just hyper you're always excited about something yeah. and you want to jump around and whatnot so she's been able to very masterfully i think both get kids very excited get them engaged in yoga but then also get them thinking about mindfulness and and peace and whatnot i mean she moved to canada from mumbai when she was 16 so she grew up in okay. in india and then she's been here for a number of years now and being introduced to yoga in india and then seeing how yoga is introduced uh in the west they're very different things because some it varies from teacher to teacher from institute to institute but uh, here there's a lot of places that are very hesitant to really delve into the spiritual history and those sides of yoga some people will get you know almost downright offended if there's chanting at all because it's seen as being religious you know there's a lot of schools in in Canada and in the US have introduced yoga programs into elementary schools because they find it helps kids with focus with self discipline with mindfulness of course man so uh, you know all of those things are happening i think you know yoga is going to be around as as long as we're on this planet and it finds a way to stay relevant to people and yet we live in a place in a world that is constantly challenging that mindfulness so it's interesting to meet you know someone like you who's you know living both extremes of that at the same time 
I'm curious because you've, you've touched on a lot of different things about um, the world in general, but India specifically. You would be wise at 53, forget 23. And you're very aware of what's going on around you. I'm curious, where do you see India going in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Do you see this new generation changing things? What are what are the real challenges that you believe are facing the country is in, in moving forward? Hmm. I think like right now the phase that the country is in, I think is it's is the most critical phase since maybe 1400 or 500 years man okay that's a bold statement tell me more i would say like say the first the first mughal invader yeah can i just have a quick sip of water yeah yeah sure go go for it <laughs> this okay. reminds me of when so you were beatboxing like, no. and then they were like shantanu kopani like <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking half an hour later <laughs> so when i say <laughs> India is in a very critical stage from the first Islamic invasion which happened by Babur and probably 380, mm-hmm. 350 AD. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Oh, it is. And from that time, India has been constantly been suppressed and its identity has been taken away from itself. What do I mean when I say that? We had two universities like major universities universities in the country one was takshila on top and one was nalanda like in, in the center of the country now in these major universities you had people from all over the country coming and studying they were studying different topics touching on different topics from astronomy history they were they were studying science when i say science they were they were studying cosmetic surgery they were studying like like deep levels of Ayurveda, like holistic science, holistic medicine. They were doing everything related to medicine. They were doing um, architecture. So you had all of these different subjects where people were studying and they've been studying since thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Now, after this, the since the first Islamic invasion happened in Babur, and I'm, I know it sounds super creepy that I'm 23 and I'm talking about all of this and since we're in 2019 and you know, but hear me out. No, we're, we're past all that. I'm listening. <laughs> Since the first Islamic invasion, all of these guys come. And what they, what do they do? You know, they start burning all of the universities. So remember when Takshila was burned, it took three months for them to burn all the books that was in Takshila. Imagine all the books that were there. And when these books were there, they talked about a lot of things. They were talking, like these books were talking about politics. These book, books were talking about different diseases. These books were talking about different technology and how the things were built. You see these ancient temples, which are like any carbon dating of uh, like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years back. Mm-hmm. So all these architectural science, basically just science, Vedas, different science was burned by the Mughals. People were forcefully converted. People were told to convert this, that. Whoever not converted, they were like killed or massacred. All the temples and all the architecture, all like if you see Jammu Kashmir, it was a super Hindu civilization. It had beautiful temples, but they destroyed it all. Then... After that, you see, because of that Islamic invasion, Sikhism was born. Because any anyone who had to come to invade India, they had to come from the northwest frontier, which is the Punjab right. region. Because at that time, the Europeans had didn't didn't discover the sea route. So anyone would come would come from the northwest frontier, and that's why Sikhism was formed because they would take the first hit. 
that's why the first guru nanak the nanak was born and he told every man will be singh and every woman will be kaur and you will protect for this and that's how the like sikhism was born few years later like you know you have a sense of nationalism there are marathas you, there are in south india you have the vijay raja raja you have all of these kingdom the sense of nationalism rose again they rose against them and then the european power started coming and you had all of the five people you had the dutch that came in you had the french that came in you had uh, the portuguese came in you had like of course the british came in and when the british came in 300 years ago what they did is they did a, the, the most horrible thing that they could do what they did they not only did famines and they divided the country into stupid borders where it doesn't make any sense why bangladesh is not part of india because we both speak the same language doesn't make sense why india and nepal are not together because we both speak the same language right. india and uh, pakistan is not same together because we both speak the same language but they also like their um, uh, governors they also did they knew that they wanted to break the country and since india was such a like imagine imagine like more than 4% of the world gdp would come from india that means till 1840 all the diamonds that were relatively sold in the world would come only from india so you had like world economies are based on gold right now world economies are based on like all of these resources and we had the most of it mm-hmm. we had we were the power source if you would make a government of that we would be the richest like our one rupee would be like 100 dollars you know mm-hmm. it could have been that with the resources but what did this british do they knew that they want to loot us they came with the east india company yep they set up so many companies they signed a declaration of independence they set up so many companies the companies never left they changed the education system from sanskrit where the whole country would speak sanskrit they had different languages like i i had marathi i had tamil i had all of these but we all spoke sanskrit so everyone would speak sanskrit and travel all around india so like instance of swami vivekananda going and traveling down south speaking in the language of sanskrit so you could imagine how how good the country was in terms of business traveling from here to the sense of unity because everyone spoke in sanskrit the sanskrit was taken away and everyone would speak in english english was the national language they changed the education system into a british education system everyone is studying about what's going in america the first war of independence this that this that they're not talking about the slave trade they're not talking about the genocide they're not talking about native american genocide mm-hmm. but i'm learning how hero how much of a hero that christopher columbus is or i'm hearing like how much of a hero like who I don't give zero shit like zero crap about King Louis 4 of France who gives a shit about him yeah. you know like he didn't do anything for my people why am I studying about him so the education system was changed our minds were changed all of these companies that the british came in with are still in this country all this east indian like east india company now right now there are 150 to 160 companies which are in this country which are they 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 operating out of this country like you had vodafone and all of these british companies taking shit load of money campaigning the ads suppressing the small scale industry then you had the british who fucked it up for us so massively like you know you could imagine like they put a delusion they distributed the countries because they were scared that if you can imagine modern day india pakistan sri lanka bangladesh nepal coming together you mm-hmm. can't like deal with this nation of this size you know that's why they divided this 70 years now we are free but we are not yet free because there was a party which was ruling which is like congress which was like the the bastards of the british you know they left only because they knew that these guys are going to help us like providing all of these land and the companies will still run on you know the money would be still flowing in but it's just fake independence mm-hmm. you know like it's a heavy topic man like for for me i feel in 70 years 
how is it possible that a nation that Israel, which was formed in 1947, or Hiroshima Nagasaki, which was Japan 1947, or all these like bullshit that I hear, like or like Germany 1947, and here you have India, which was never like we went through war, but then like our infrastructure wasn't like we are such a big nation. Why couldn't we build ourselves in that way where we can challenge a country like Germany or Japan or like Israel, which is like such tiny? What what went wrong, you know? So when what went wrong is the narratives because mm-hmm. the people believe that they are more Americans than they are Indians, people believe that they are more British than they are Indians, people believe that they are more white than they are Indian. Now with the music, with the like you know where everyone is singing in their own language, the heroes are not more fair; they are dark. Mm-hmm. The the um, you know like the narrative is changing. The prime minister is uh, is is also like helping for this narrative, and he's he's really my hope. I'm not a right wing like whatever whatever you would say, but I feel. If he wins again, I think real change in this country will start coming. So I'm, I'm like Narendra Modi basically that this prime minister, if he wins, then I feel like change can come. Otherwise, I think he'll go to the dogs. I mean, I, I've been following as closely as I can from the outside, and and obviously living in India and living outside of it are two different things. But I think India is a very unique case in and of itself because it is probably the most is probably the greatest degree of diversity within a single country. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, there's nearly a, a thousand different languages and dialects spoken that have been spoken lacks, for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. been very accepting of people from the outside. So every single religion in the world has coexisted in India long before multiculturalism existed in the West. And because of a lot of that history, and I think because of the meddling that happened, particularly at the hands of the British and, you know, the other European colonizers, what it did is... You're right. I think we forgot a lot about our our true history, but a lot of these other complexities of language, of race, of religion and whatnot, Japan is a lot more homogenous than India. Japan doesn't have the sort of extent of diversity in terms of religions and languages spoken. And Japan has also largely been closed to the outside world. Like they're not actively welcoming people from the rest of the world to to move to Japan because they've been very sort of protective of the culture. And even, you know, Germany, the languages are more or less similar. Culturally, there's less, I think, of an extent of variation. But India is basically packing all of Europe and more into one single country and then expecting it to function and get along in 70 years, which is a really tall order. And I think even just on that note, I think India has actually done a remarkable job in such a short time, but it's got a, a long way to go, no question. No, I mean, I would like to differ on that because I don't think that... See, there are civilizations over here that existed way before. Like, as an anthropologist, I'm seeing that there have been kingdoms in India that have lived together as one, mm-hmm. irris- ir- irrespective of their whatever they believed in, you know. There have been multiple examples of so many kingdoms that have been here which live together as one. Yeah, man, I mean, I I don't, I would not like to believe this. I mean, I know you, you can be right that they're saying that it can be a long way to go, but I, I would not want to hope that, you know, since I'm, I, since I see, since we are 1.5 billion people, so the poverty also is on a larger scale that I see every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't wish to see that, you know, because I've been seeing this since a child. Yeah. And for me, it sucks to see a person just struggling to eat food, you know. It's like, I have the first world, but then I'm seeing the third world right in front of my doorstep. So I, I just want that to change and I feel it's changing. I mean, internet has got a lot to do mm-hmm. with it. The new government has to do very much a lot because it's not like the money is not there, you know. It's not like we don't have the money. India has a lot of money even now. 
India has a lot of money, man. Like Bombay, just think about Bombay. Yeah. Think about how much money that the Bollywood industry or the industry that we are in. Or think about the real estate prices. Think about like the business that happens here. Think about all the trade that happens here. You know, the stock exchange and all. The money is there. People want to exp. But is the level of corruption and is the level of mm-hmm. the delusion that was caused by the British, which was then carried on. But this is just pure truth. This is not just. philosophy but this is truth you know this is what they were doing this is mm-hmm. what they did the congress took on what the, the british were doing and they just continued to distract people or continue to uh, delude people that they all different they all need a different state they can't function as one because indians always wanted they always lived lived as one you're talking yeah. about a civilization which was far from like afghanistan all the way to cambodia bali and you know like the tibetans mm-hmm. everything is like is 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 this culture I think we're actually on the same page there. I don't think that the historically India has been I mean obviously every country in its history has challenges, but I don't think that people have necessarily just been separate. I think that what happened was even where there was minimal complaints or issues between any two groups of people, you get someone like doing what the British did even as they left India, they basically just threw like a burning cocktail into a room and put people against each other, right? So, I mean, if you yeah, go back man. to the mutiny in 1857, they've documented that they used to grease the barrels of the the Hindu soldiers with beef fat and of the Muslim soldiers with pork yeah, fat. Yeah, that's what they want to do. Yeah, so they they were dividing a long time ago. It's not it's not a new phenomenon. Yeah. So, I I I agree with you in that if you focus too much on people's differences and what makes them separate from one another you actually lose the point of what makes them alike and the same right and we need to come together and focus yeah. on what brings us together as as human beings and that's not just in india that's everywhere definitely and like another thing like in the narrative when i see people like people say when i told you like i started with the indian invasion i started with the islamic invasion mm-hmm. you know yet and yet people like you know the british tried super hard to create like a, a communal dis, uh, disturbance between india and and uh, sorry not indian but hindus and uh, the muslims so you have the the 1947 like uh, like partition and in like hindu versus muslims and then you have the bombay riots or the hindu versus muslims but yet if you see like when you see like the way muslims are treated in europe the way muslims are treated in israel and palestine mm-hmm. the way muslims are treated in america like even a first state like state yeah. like america and then when you see muslims in india then you understand like what liberal muslims actually are or even when you see muslims in like saudi you know like where they are yeah. prime pri- like where their state is where they say that this is our state but in that state you're not allowed to go around in your burqas and then remove the burqa and then like make out like freely with your boyfriend you know Mm-hmm. like you see that on the streets of bombay like you're pro- 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 practicing islam but that doesn't mean like you can't do all of this shit that's liberal you yeah. know like no one tells you anything like you know the couples are roaming fully freely they're nice and and we celebrate we celebrate all the muslim festivals like all my we never thought like me as a teenager i never thought of my muslim brother as a muslim guy you know because i love the biryani as much as he loves it you know mm-hmm. it was made in my house as much as it was made in his house so i mean it was it is not a community it's not a communal thing in this country so in that way i think the country is really united and is very powerful because you don't have all of these aspects that stopping uh, like if you see the new zealand shooting or you see mm-hmm. europe like banning muslim people or no mosque allowed stupid stuff like that you know like why no mosque allowed like you think all muslims are terrorists or all refugee muslims you are just aggravating the problem yeah. 
you know whereas in india it's not that like muslims don't have a problem with hindus like we all chill together we all like friends together we all watch movies it's it's not even a thing to talk about you know it's just like so common and when we look at this world news we like what are you all talking about like you know what is trump on about yeah well you know i think a lot of that is to do with the fact that over 1500 years people have been together like living side by side right people here yeah. You know I mean there's a lot of racism and bigotry like the world over there's a lot of it even in Canada it still exists but the people mm-hmm. that are most anti whatever if they are anti black people or anti muslim or anti hindu or anti this or that or the other most of the time the people that feel that way have had the least exposure to the people that they hate they've rarely Definitely. been in a neighborhood with them they've rarely been working side by side with them they've rarely you know had a meal together with them they haven't built actual human relationships with them so they see the news yeah. coverage that's already a distortion of truth in the first place because you know if you see a a muslim in the news quite often today they're portrayed in such a negative light that that's now your perspective on them and they haven't ever Definitely. actually even come into contact in any meaningful way with the person so their hate is so misinformed in the first place but i think in india in much of india i think it would be very hard to be in any city in any neighborhood in any village and not have come into contact in some meaningful way with people who are you know muslim or buddhist or sikh or christian or what not and that'll vary from just party. chilling with each other you know yeah. just chilling with each other yeah you know all their like religious places are next to each other you see a like mosque right in front of a church in front of a like a temple you know it's all just mixed up it's a big hodgepodge you know and it's not like as sick like you know like just last week brunei there's a nation next to philippines yeah. they they did the like you know you're allowed to kill gay men mm-hmm. uh, to death so yeah. you know all the stupid stuff you know you, you like i mean that's like too extreme so you don't have all of that happening in india i mean Mm-hmm. I know like Muslim gay men in Bombay man yeah. that you know they sleep around so much for that like I feel like India is so head you know thinking about all of this like I feel in that way it's super head like it's you're not racist towards them it's a part of our culture we mm-hmm. are freedom fighters who are muslim our sufi saints like our music that we listen to is fully sufi so um, I think when I see India ahead I feel it can be a leader to this world man where we show the world how to live and celebrate what we have and uh, settle our differences but celebrate our differences because mm-hmm. when you celebrate your differences then you get to get the best of every world you know i want the rice from china with dal of india with starters from you know like you get everything you know it's the world is colorful together so yeah and i think in, in that way india does food properly that that way too i i, yeah. I the variety and mix you find and i think it comes from that same place that people there just love the best of everything and want to bring it together that's been the history of all this melting pot also you know like since the first syrian christians came in 300s like 380 where like uh, you know they, they were sent back from syria or uh, since the first israelis came here since the first jews came here from persia mm-hmm. since the first like like all the islamic people who came from like afghanistan who came from pakistan who came from high high up like iran you know there's so many yeah. iranis here so they when they came they of course they got their food you know the portuguese they came here they got their potatoes you know the the, the french came here the british came here all of them got the food and we just we just never let the food go you know <laughs> we said go back but don't go you know just leave your food leave here leave your food here so all <laughs> so what's uh before we kind of wrap up what's uh what's next yeah. for you like you've started this new new job in in thailand tell us more about that and where 
Uh, is there anywhere people can find out more about you or about a cause or something that's really important to you? I mean, as like the right now, my cause and only cause is like you know hip hop, pushing that and pushing all the guys that have the stories. So they can check most wanted records out. You know, I'm doing artist management for them. Okay. There's this new independent record label that's come up, and I'm doing ANR, and I'm just managing few like producing artists, and you know, just raising an army. This year we released three. Uh, this month actually we released three albums from three different artists, and this wow. year we're going to release nine more, nine more albums. You know, so that's like this year is going to be revolutionary because never in India has been so many albums come out in one year. And what's so uh, what's the website again? The the label is called Most Wanted Records. Okay. So you can there's like Instagram, there's website, there's Facebook. Okay. You can check it out, and the music is going to be everywhere, iTunes, Spotify, and all. So you can check that out. It's going to be up in two weeks. So by the time you put this podcast, the music will be out. It's just really interesting to see what you're doing there, and it's kind of tying the world together in a really good way, I think, for all of us. Yeah, man, it's is the broken native connection. It's just <laughs> all different brothers broken from the homeland meeting at different places. That's the future, bro. That's the that's the that's the that's the answer to the question that you asked me. What do you see India ahead? This India, you know, the India which broke out of India. They had to leave. They had to go different places, and just meeting and connecting and making like letting the let, letting the world know the truth. Because India is all about the truth, you know. It's just just. The um, param satya, as they say in Sanskrit, is, mm. is the is the absolute truth. You know, I hear you're wrong. We will die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're so right. I, I have to say, I didn't know you were 23. I for some reason thought you were a little bit older, at least. I feel extremely inspired and hopeful, just knowing that there is, you know, young people, young men out there like you, thinking the way that you do, and sort of not just thinking about it, but actually living it to the world today needs more people like you thinking and living and and being in the world the way that you are so i would love to continue this conversation um you know sometime again soon pick up on some other things i think hip-hop i get carried away talking about it uh, listening to more about it and i think there's a lot a lot of other directions that we can take this conversation definitely man and it was like a super Big blessing that you had me again. It was beautiful to see you after so many years like oh, this. Oh, it's been too long. <laughs> and hopefully next yeah, time I'm in Mumbai, I don't. Uh, we don't miss each other. Definitely don't, man. Definitely don't, man. Well, Shantanu, this has been amazing. Uh, we're going to do this again for sure. Thank yes, you so brother. much for making time. It was a pleasure. Thank you for so like thank you so much having me on this fucking podcast, man. God bless. Thanks, Shantanu. That's a that's a wrap. So if you've listened till this point in the episode, I can only assume one of two things. You either A, really dig this podcast, or B, you started playing the podcast and left the room and totally forgot it was even playing, and right now I'm just talking to nobody. So if you are digging this podcast, there's many ways that you can support it. You can definitely subscribe in your app of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, in TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and for all the folks around the world, we're on Ruckus Avenue Radio. You can also follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're at Awoken Word Podcast. On Twitter, as at Awoken Word. 
We also have a Facebook page under Awoken Word Podcast. Hey, if you've got an idea for a guest or a conversation or a topic that you'd like to see or hear touched on, please reach out. Let us know. Feel free to share some of these ideas or bring up some of these ideas in your own podcast. If you're hanging out with friends or family, maybe over beers or coffee or a smoothie, who am I to judge? If you're hanging out with someone and something comes to mind, tell them about this podcast. Tell them this is where you heard it. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your co-workers, tell your great-grandma, tell that weird naked guy who hangs out on his balcony on the building across the street from you all the time. We appreciate the support of each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until the next episode of Awoken Word, peace out.